uh, killer, baby. Kanye, this that 1970s heroin flow, huh? Yeah. Y'all hear people Let's talking about who high, who not. Uh, Man, they don't know we finna kill the game this year. Killer, yeah, uh, uh, come on. Welcome, 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 and welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy Jalen, and <laughs> like usual, man, it, it was a busy week, and I'm actually going to hit a lot of topics today, or tonight, or whenever you listen to this. Uh, for people that are listening, I do want to appreciate you guys. I appreciate everyone that continues to tune in, whether that's Facebook or any streaming platform. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'm having fun with this, man. I really am. So... Let's let's get it. Uh, let's let's first talk about. I mean, I can, you know I'm usually one to start going into basketball. We're gonna talk about plenty of basketball because plenty happened, but we're gonna start with tennis. And in tennis, we saw some greatness, and then we saw some not so greatness. And when I say not so greatness, so Serena Williams unfortunately lost in the final to Simona Halep. I know I probably messed up her name. I apologize. It is what it is. She's a champion. It is what it is. And I'm not saying... Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm not saying that it was not greatness on Serena's part. She got destroyed. I ain't gonna lie to you. Like, I'm gonna keep it a G with you. Serena's my favorite uh, tennis player of all time, of course. But she, she got destroyed. She got easily handed, handled. Um, by Simona, but the fact that she lost wasn't the the story, unfortunately. The story was when a reporter, I don't think she was being racist or anything, but the reporter was pretty much asked, or the the reporter asked Serena, how do you respond, pretty much, how do you respond to the people that say that you should just stick to tennis or stay out of civil rights, uh, civil rights issues for people that don't know serena williams is pretty vocal when it comes to a lot of uh discrimination between i mean a lot of discrimination towards african americans discrimination towards women towards women athletes she's just a staunch advocate in in equality pretty much and serena was like the day i stopped being advocate is the day that you know the day I'm dead, pretty much. And it's not the fact that she said that, as in Serena said that. It's the fact that the reporter thought that it was okay to ask that. I'm not chastising the reporter. I don't think it's the reporter's fault. What I think it is is the fault of people outside the media. People that scold athletes for having an opinion. Especially an opinion, an opinion about something outside of their sport. Yes, I understand that Serena is a tennis player. I understand that she's one of the greatest tennis players ever. But at the end of the day, she's a person. Not only is she a person, she's an African-American person, and she's a mother. You have to think about, what example do you want to set for your kids? You know what I mean? Like, when your kids talk about you, do you want to be known as the person that... The person that fought for equality, fought for injustice, or do you want to be the person that laid down? You know what I mean? Especially on the platform that Serena Williams has. Not everybody, including my shit, I don't have it, but a lot of people, nobody, Serena Williams, like I said, is one of the most recognizable athletes, especially recognizable black athletes. So 
when she has a platform, you see people like uh, Serena. You see people like LeBron James do this. You see people uh, that have such huge platforms talk about injustices towards the people. And, and I feel that's the best platform to do it because you have so many followers, so many people that want to or that, that cling on, that cling to every word you say or everything that you do. Why not talk about injustice? You know, why not Why not be a staunch advocate for African-Americans, especially when you see how African-Americans and other minorities are being treated in the community? Now, no, this is not a political podcast. This is not a podcast saying uh, black people are, you know, <laughs> black people are treated wrong. We need to stand up the fight. It's not that podcast because we see that every day. Everybody, anybody that knows, or anybody that's black or knows someone black, knows the injustices we fight every day. And if they say they don't, ask, tell them what they want to be black for a day. Hell, what they want to be black for a couple hours. And just walk down the street. Everybody knows there's injustices going on. And the fact that a lot of people, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not chastising this reporter. I don't know the reporter's name. I'm not saying that she shouldn't ask the question. I'm just saying African-Americans, and especially African-Americans in prominent places as in athletes, I feel have, now some, you don't have to. You, we've seen occasions, we've seen occasions where, you, you know, they just wanted to shy away from that. Jordan wanted to shy away from that a lot. Tiger Woods wants to shy away from that. Floyd Mayweather wants to shy away from that. That's cool. Do your thing. Everybody's human. Everybody has an opinion. But when you see someone like Serena, who has such a big platform, I don't think that you should question if she should be talking about, you know, black injustice, you know, injustice towards blacks or injustice towards women or injustice towards women athletes. Speaking of injustice towards women athletes, it's not just black. We talked about this the last uh, podcast episode when we're talking about USA um, women's soccer, how when you think of USA women's soccer or USA soccer as in, in general, the first thing you think of is women's because they've been so dominant. You don't think of the men because the men have been trash. I'm just keeping a stack with you. Yet women still, the women athletes still get paid less. And that's, I think that's, you know, it's, it's wrong, but everybody knows it's wrong. People that are handing out the checks know it's wrong, but it's, it's there, it, for some reason, it's allowed to happen. And I think that's the position that a lot that Serena definitely stands on is just equality. So I don't think that you should ever question what somebody says in their platform. Hell, Rush Limbaugh, and I'm not, no, Rush Limbaugh and Homeboy from uh, InfoWars can say whatever they want because that's their platform. I'm not judging them. I'm not hating on them. I don't have to choose to listen to them. I don't have to choose to agree with them. I don't have to choose to follow what they're saying, but they have every right to say what they want to say because that's their platform. Serena Williams has a platform. She's going to say what she wants to say. And I don't think that she should have to be muted. I don't think that she should mute. I don't think that she should stop doing what she's doing because that's what she wants to do. So, shouts out to Serena. Unfortunately, she lost. Uh, shouts out to Simona Halep. I, I know I'm saying your name wrong, so I apologize. But you did beat Serena. You beat a fair and square. There was no, 
there was no, oh, Serena might make a come. No, she she destroyed Serena. And I got to, you know, give props where props are. So, shouts out to that. Uh, Damn, that's how I started the podcast. <laughs> Dang. Well, since we're on tennis, we can go over to the men's. Uh, and we witnessed one of the most epic matches of all time. Roger Federer, unfortunately, lost to, and I say unfortunately because I'm a Roger Federer fan. Um, when it comes to tennis, I'm not the most staunch. Wa- I don't really watch tennis like that unless it's somebody that I know or it's like a big match or something like uh, the U.S. Open or Wimbledon or something. I don't really follow tennis like that, but I do follow two people, Serena Williams and Roger Federer. When they both win, I'm happy. So I, I had a tough uh, Saturday and Sunday due to the fact that both Roger Federer and Serena lost. However, we did witness one of the greatest matches in U.S. Open history against Roger Federer and uh, Novak Djokovic. And that is not, yeah, Novak, Novak Djokovic or Djokovic, whatever say his name. Uh, they had one of the longest matches ever. I think it went 15? Let me see. Uh, I don't want to be wrong for you guys. Um, it went to five set tie, set five set tiebreakers, which is the longest in any men's Grand Slam history. It was man, I remember, so it wasn't looking it wasn't looking too good for Roger. I remember the first set he got destroyed like six one, then he came back. And it was just back and forth, back and forth. And by the time we were, the level of tennis that we saw was on such a high level that, and and you even heard them say it, uh, Roger and uh, Novak say it. It sucks that there had to be a loser in that, in that, in that, um, on that match because it was such a good, it was such a good game, it was such a good match. Now I'm upset that Roger Federer lost, but. When you lose like that, the the mat, the match was damn near five hours. It was four hours and like fifty five minutes. That's that's a lot, especially for a thirty seven year old. That's 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 a lot. But Roger Federer is still at the top of his game. Novak is still at the top of his game. I think that's Novak's fifth um fifth championship or Wimbledon championship. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But I know that it was probably the long. I think it was the longest game in uh, finals history. So shout out to Novak, man, or Noke. Let me see. Shout out to Novak Djokovic. You know he, he did his thing, and we know how great he is. I think he was ranked like number one going into you know this match, and Roger Federer was number two. So they definitely did their thing. Uh, I can't, I can't, you know, hate on that. Um, and yeah, shout out to them. I, I don't really have much to elaborate on that. I hope Roger Federer wins again. I definitely hope. I think he'll win again. Uh, another open. Uh, I think Serena Williams will definitely win another another open because she was dominating through the entire Wimbledon until she got to the finals. And same as uh, same as Roger Federer. So I think they can they can get back to where they are. We'll see. Shouts out, shouts out. So, huh. uh, uh, let me see. Before I go dive strictly into the NBA, there's a couple things I want to. Uh, Shouts out to Sylvia Sylvia Fowles. We don't really talk about... I don't know if this is even going to hit SportsCenter, even though I think it should. Sylvia Fowles uh, set an NBA record with double-doubles in a career. She's still going as she beat or she surpassed Lisa Leslie, 
The record now is 157 games where she has double-double. Shouts out to her. I, I wanted to shout it out in the podcast, of course, because I don't know uh, if that's even going to hit Sports Center. I think that the WNBA deserves a lot of love. We don't talk about the Aces, how they just beat the Mystics. Uh, the two best teams in the league, in the WNBA right now went up against each other. Uh, it was a really great game. Uh, the Aces took it at the end by, I think, like six points, but it was a really good game. And yeah, we don't really give WNBA the credit that they that they deserve. You know, we always talk about, dang, the NBA is over. At least we get summer league. Well, we still have the WNBA. No, it might not be as electrifying as the NBA, but there is still some quality basketball being played. So again, shouts out to Sylvia Fowles for setting the WNBA record for double doubles at 157, and she's still going. So I don't know too many people that's going to beat that record, but shouts out to her. Let's just let's just dive in. Let's just dive in. So it happened. Russell Westbrook got traded. Russell Westbrook got traded from the Oklahoma City Thunder. And this is what I want to say before I continue on. Oklahoma City Thunder. Talk about the ultimate bag fumble. You had Kevin Durant. You had James Harden. You had Russell Westbrook. You had Serge Ibaka. You had Carmelo Anthony. You had Paul George. And out of all that, you have zero championships, one championship appearance. Now, I understand that they were young when they went. I, I believe it was in 2014, 2013, 2014, one of those years, uh, when they went against the Heat. They were young. But... At that point, you're supposed to build on that. You have three foundational pieces. That is James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook. And you want to build on that. You you have three cornerstones. Three. A lot of of teams never have that. A lot of teams never have that in a franchise. You had that at one. You had three cornerstones on one team. Yet, and still... What it doesn't produce anything, and what I what I think the problem was, is that when you have players that are great like Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, of course you have to make decisions. You have to make decisions that further the franchise. Some decisions are people are going to be more upset than others. Sometimes you have to side. With a player more than you know more than another player, but when you make those decisions, those decisions have to be the right decisions. If, if there's a player that's better than me, I understand if you're going to uh, if you're gonna treat him just a tad bit you know different than me. I get that, cause hey, it's 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 you know he's he's he is what he is. He's better than me. I get that. That just try. I have to get better. You know what I'm saying? But if you look at some of the moves they made that um, contributed to the demise of this team, it's mind-boggling to me, if you ask me. So it, it goes back to the James Harden situation. James Harden wanted the max, and they didn't want to pay him the max. They let they traded James Harden because they didn't want to give him a total, not a year, a total of $3 million more dollars. 
retrospect now, I don't know if they would have kept James Harden. I don't think he, I'm almost sure he wouldn't turn into the James Harden that he is now, which of course is league MVP, um, you know, one of the most, one of the most lethal one-on-one scores of all time. I don't think he would have turned into that, but he still would have been a great player. But you didn't want to pay him three $3 million extra dollars because you wanted to keep Serge Ibaka. I understand if Serge, if, if I understand the upside to Serge Ibaka. I mean, he's a champion now. But when we talk about upsides, you you got James Harden, Serge Ibaka. That's that's mistake number one. Mistake number two. And 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 analysts said this a lot. I said this a lot. A lot people that watch said this a lot. Why is Russell Westbrook taking as much shots as Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant, we can say now that he is one of the greatest offensive players to ever play the game. But the thing is, he was like that back in the day. He won an MVP on the Thunder. So when we look and we see Kevin Durant's one of the best, one of the greatest players to ever play, one of the greatest scorers to ever play, um, one of the top five. He's been one of the top five players since uh, maybe his third or fourth year. So if he's like that, why do you continue to coddle Russell Westbrook? I get he's your point guard, and I get he's one of the most explosive point. In fact, if it wasn't for Derrick Rose's injury, which he did, but Russell Westbrook's probably the most explosive point guard to ever play the game. Why are you coddling him instead? Of, and I'm not saying coddle Kevin Durant, but why Why is Kevin Durant pretty much playing second fiddle to Russell Westbrook? Why is Russell Westbrook taking as much, if not more, shots than Kevin Durant? Not to mention the coaching. The coaching was Scott Brooks. I get Scott Brooks. He's a good coach for what he is. I mean, he went to the finals, yeah, but he's not a confrontational coach, and I think that you need a confrontational coach when dealing with someone like Russell Westbrook. The, uh, what's his name? Donovan, uh, Coach Donovan from Florida. He's To me, he's not a confrontational coach. So the, 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 the organization continued to, I guess, side with Westbrook over Kevin Durant, which, which to me led to Kevin Durant getting up out of there to go to Golden State. That's two pieces now. You had Melo. Melo was a little bit out of his prime. It is what it is, but you could have kept Melo. You, you, you let him go. Then you had Paul George. I think that was just, that was just Kawhi Leonard doing his recruiting thing. Uh, I don't think that really had anything to do with the organization. But what that just shows is you had so many opportunities to have great pieces, yet you chose Russell Westbrook. And I get, especially with the Melo and Paul George thing, you get that he's the franchise player at that point. He stayed through the thick and thin. He stayed through it all. But you have to see the tea leaves. If he's still not a good shooter, if he still makes very poor decisions in the fourth quarter, if he's still not the greatest shooter, period, and that's just not talking about three-point, if he's not the greatest uh on-ball defender, why do you continue to, why, why is nobody telling Russ, like, telling Russell Westbrook the truth? This is how you are. This is what we need. If you can't do this, you got to go. Or, we, we have to find, you have to get along with better pieces. Now, I get 
once Kevin Durant leaves, the pieces get a little iffy. But still, you had Paul George. And that leads me to what happened last week. When Russell Westbrook, once once Paul George demanded a trade and went to the Clippers, reports came out that Oklahoma City offered Russell Westbrook and Paul George to go to the Toronto Raptors. The part, the bad part about that is that's how Russell Westbrook found out. And once you find out like that, you don't get a call saying, hey, we're going to explore. We don't expect it, but we're going to explore options. You find out through the media, you lose all trust in the organization. So then Russell Westbrook and his uh, his agent then tried or worked with OKC to get a deal. Now, one thing that I like, and I think Jalen Rose said it, or somebody said it on TV, is the wording. It didn't because Russell Westbrook has been loyal to OKC, and because he didn't want OKC to be in a tough spot, as tough as or in a tougher spot than they were. It didn't say he demanded a trade. I believe Russell Westbrook demanded a trade. However, you, once you say you demand a trade, you pretty much lose all leverage because everybody knows that you, the player, doesn't want to be there. So you're not going to get the best options. You're not going to get the best package. But once they say you're you're working with the team to to find a trade partner, then teams are going to be teams are going to help a lot more. Teams are going to give you a lot more. So Russell Westbrook gets traded to Houston for Chris Paul and a, and, a, and, a, and I think two or three draft picks. So right now, OKC is sitting on like 15 or 16 first round draft picks in the next five or six years. Do I think they're gonna? I, do I think they're gonna? They need to cash a lot of those in to get like trade options, uh, or they can be just like the um, just like Boston, have all these draft picks and not and not get nobody. So you trade Russell Westbrook to Houston for Chris Paul and draft picks. It has been said all last all last week, but this is the end of the of the trios, I guess, and now the 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 age of the duos. Before I go, because what I want to do is I want to I want to give you guys my top ten duos in the NBA, completely healthy. I'm not I'm not saying just next year. I'm saying everybody's healthy, everybody's running the back, the best ten duos in the league. That's what I'm gonna go. Now, of course, there'll be some people on the list that's not playing next year, hence, hence, but again, I said completely healthy. But before I do that, I want to talk about the, rem- the, the, the aspects of this trade. I understand that you, what, what Houston likes to do, and, and, and Darren Morey said it, he likes, he likes stars. He likes, you know, you get the most stars. He thinks you get the most stars. You get the most talented players. Because they're talented, they're going to work it out. I just caution that by saying, if it didn't work with Chris Paul, who, while he's stuck in his ways, he's, he, was, he's, he was a great player coming from uh, L.A., why do you think it's going to work with Russell Westbrook? Who, has it, who, in the last three or five or whatever so years, Russell Westbrook and James Harden have been one and two in usage rate. In fact, 
if you combine all their usage rates together, they have the, both of them have the highest usage rate in NBA history. One and two is James Harden and Russell Westbrook, or Westbrook. They're both of them are one and two. This could work, and this I'm not saying it won't. I'm just being cautious because again, Russell Westbrook doesn't really play well without the ball. He's not a good catch and shoot uh, player. He's definitely not one to stand around waiting for James Harden to do all his dribbling and creates for somebody. And he's most effective with the ball in his hand. On the contrary, James Harden is most effective with the ball in his hand. James Harden hasn't stood around and waited for uh, uh opportunity to come his way since he came off the bench in OKC. And that's a that's the second thing I want to talk about. A lot of people are saying... You know, uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook's played it with each other, so they know how to play with each other. They're going to work seamlessly because they played with each other before. What you have to realize is the James Harden from OKC is most definitely not the James Harden from Houston or on Houston. James Harden from OKC not only was, was willing to defer to Russell Westbrook, but you also had Kevin Durant on his team. And there is nobody, you can ask James Harden, Nobody in this world would say that at that time, Kevin James Harden was on the same level as Kevin Durant. If you really ask me today when they're both healthy, James Harden is still not on the same level as Kevin Durant. Yeah, maybe offensively, but all-around game, James Harden, to me, is not on the same level as Kevin Durant. And a lot of people will attest to that. You look at James Harden today, James Harden has, has, it has been in a system where it's him or nothing. Has been a system where he's able to uh, pretty much cook and do what he has to do, and everybody else just waits, hoping to get a sh- uh, hoping to get a shot or, or get a look. He's in a system where it's 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 shined on that you use about 20, 21 seconds in the shot clock, just dribbling it out, uh, and then kicking it to a three point shooter. Uh, hopefully they make it, or doing a dance, trying to get to the rim, drawing the foul. James Harden, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, to me, play the same exact way, just on two different ends of the spectrum. James Harden is dribble, 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 dribble. I'm going to do a step back three, hit it, or I'm going to get to the rim, score, or I'm going to get to the rim, get fouled, or I'm going to dribble for about 22, 23 seconds, kick it out to a three-point shooter, and they knock it down. Russell Westbrook is, I need the ball in my hand. I'm going to go fast every time. Boom, 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 boom. I'm going to attack the rim, or I'm going to take a three, even though I'm probably not going to hit it. But they both need the ball. So if one of them, and and I think that one's going to have to be Russell Westbrook, if they can sacrifice their game or pull back the reins on how they play to accommodate the other person, it will definitely work. I mean, they're both MVPs. They're both all-star quality players. They're both future Hall of Famers. It will work if one of them is able to pull the pull the rings back on their game so the other one can flourish. And it's not. it can't be like what Chris Paul and, and James Harden did. It's like you, we take turns. No, it has to be one person has to definitely be like, this is my team. This is what we're going to do. And the other person's like, all right, cool. I'm going to pull back. It can't be like, okay, one game, I'm going to go, I'm going to try to do my thing. Next game, you try to do your thing. It's not, to me, it's not going to work like that. It, it didn't work like that with Chris Paul. To, and, and, and yes, Russell Westbrook is better than Chris Paul. But it's, it, 
that <laughs> that that is even more of a test. It's not going to work if that's happened. If they come in and say, Russell Westbrook say, hey, I understand that you're a team. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to learn how to shoot better, and I'm going to do what I have to do for the team. I think it'll work a lot better than somebody saying, hey, you know, we're both, we're both neat. Again, it's <laughs> for the past, like, four or five years, it's been James Harden. Russell Westbrook has been jockeying for one and two in usage rate. That, that is a, that's an important step when we're talking about two people now trying to coexist on one team. It's cool if it's an all-star game and you got to do that for 45 minutes in a, <laughs> in a season, but it's not, it, we got to see how it works now once, you know, an entire season. So with that being said, oh no, <laughs> Before I go in my duels, let's talk about Chris Paul. Man, I don't feel bad for Chris Paul, but Chris Paul's in a tough spot, man. Chris Paul, New Orleans was never good enough. And even if they even when they were good enough, he dealt with injuries. Somebody around him dealt with injuries. Okay, uh, the Clippers were supposed to be it. Lob City, they had really good teams. It's just they got hurt at unopportune times or they just collapsed in unopportune times. OKC, you're playing with probably the best player you've ever played with in your life in the NBA. And James Harden, you were pretty much a quarter away from dethroning Golden State and getting to a championship where you probably would have beat the Cavaliers that year in the championship. But you sprint, you uh, pull your hamstring. Next year, without KD, you guys lose. Tension... You know, reports are saying tensions were in the locker room with James Harden, and now you get shipped to OKC, which you're probably not even going to play in OKC. I think you probably might go to the uh, to the Heat, which, yeah, you'll be with Jimmy Butler, but that's not a championship duo. So, Chris Paul, to me, and, and I think it's very easy to see now, Chris Paul is going to land on that list of great great players who never win a championship you got Carl Malone John Stockton uh what's his name Charles Barkley uh Dwight Howard even though Dwight's then Dwight's career is most definitely not like his beginning um great players that never won it's like we always talk about greats right we always talk about the greatest 10 or the greatest 15 greatest 20 and we always forget names. Now, when we when we bring it up, it's like, oh yeah, he's in it. But those names are easily forgettable because they don't have a championship attached to their name. Or if they're not forgettable, you always have to put an asterisk because they don't have a championship attached to their name. Chris Paul, like I said, James, uh, what's his name? John Stockton, Carl Malone. Carl Malone is top five in scoring of all time. Yet when we think about the top five of all time. Nobody outside of Utah is going to say Carl Malone because what? He doesn't have a ring. When we talk about the best point guards of all time, no one to me is going to put John Stockton in the top five or, yeah, top five because what? He doesn't have a championship. When we talk about the greatest power fours of all time, nobody's ever going to say Charles Barkley was in the top three or four. Why? Because he doesn't have a championship. Or if they do, it's like, ah, well, yeah, I'll, I'll put him in. That's what the championship does. It's like it solidifies your name, which is why I don't understand 
when a lot of players like, oh, Kevin Durant went the uh, easy way out to get a championship. Look at all the players that have never got a championship. Kevin Durant has two now. And I think if he was healthy uh, last time or if Klay Thompson stayed healthy, they would have had three. But look at that. Kevin Durant has two championships. Now we'll look, well, Kevin Durant's the greatest player, I mean, best player in the world when healthy. Hell, look at Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard has two championships, two finals MVPs, and now we're talking about him as one of the greatest players. Do you think we'll be talking about Kawhi Leonard as the greatest? In fact, solidify my point. We talk about Kawhi Leonard has who it can possibly be one of the greatest players uh, in the league right now. Yet we don't talk about that with Giannis, and he just won the MVP. Nor do we talk about with Anthony Davis, who, when healthy, Anthony Davis was putting up 59 and 20 games. Anthony Davis, a lot of <coughs> excuse me, a lot of people were saying Anthony Davis was next up. But yet, why do we put Kawhi Leonard before both of them? He's a champion. And he's a Finals MVP. Why do we put and I and of course I st- I put Kawhi Leonard above both. I put Kevin Durant above both. But why do we put Kevin Durant? Because he's a two-time champion, two-time Finals MVP. Hell, a lot of people's and, and it is debatable. I'm a, I, I'm probably gonna put him up there too. But why do people put Steph Curry over them too? Think about it. Championship. But it's it's uh, it sucks for Chris Paul, man. It to me this just closes. Not only does this close the window, this slams the window shut. You board the doors. You put uh, concrete, <laughs> concrete wall in front of the door. It's he's not winning it, unless, which I don't see, but unless you get traded to Miami, get bought out or something, and the Lakers pick you up, then I I could maybe see that. But with that hefty contract, the Lakers can't even afford it. So, well, the Clippers, the Clippers can't even afford it, but why would they pay you when they just pay Patrick Beverly all the money, you know what I'm saying, so, or all that money. But with that being said, like I said, this is the age of the duos. Uh, This is the age where, (laughs) if you don't have two, at least all-star talent, all-star caliber players, you're not relevant in the league. Like, look at, uh... Even though it hurts to say, look at the Wizards right now. John Wall, we don't. John Wall's not playing one, and we don't know what he'll be when he get back. So, and look how much disarray the team is. Hell, Bradley Bill might not, probably won't even be there by at least trade deadline. So, it's just we were arguing that they could be top three, top at least top five backcourts in the NBA when they're both healthy. <laughs> Now, John Wall is pretty much one of the laughing stocks because he has undoubtedly the worst contract in the league, and that's just that's that's just how how the cookie crumbles, unfortunately. So, what I wanted to do is I, and this is this is my opinion. If you don't agree, you can put it in the comments. You can uh, hit me up. I don't care. We can talk about it. But actually, no. I want you to put in the comments if you don't agree, because a lot of people hit me up, and I want y'all. To, I want to see. I want other people to see interaction. So if you don't believe, if you don't agree with me, hit me up in the comments, and we'll talk about it. Whether that's YouTube or wherever the hell you stream it at, hit me up in the comments. But what I did was I looked at all the all the duos in the league, especially coming into the next. Well, I'm not gonna say go, but I looked at all the duos in the league when healthy, and I put from ten to one. 
So I'm going to go from 10 to 1 and talk about a little bit and talk about why I put people where I put them. So kaboom, kaboom. So for number 10, I wanted to go with Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis for Dallas. We forget, because we haven't seen in a while, how good Kristaps Porzingis was, especially for New York. New York, he was, they were, they were happy to trade Carmelo when Carmelo was, while he was in his decline year, he, he still was a solid 20, 22 point score. They were happily able to send him off because Chris Oscar single, he was a, he's a seven, three, seven, four slasher that can shoot the ball. That's great defensively. Uh, maybe, maybe he needs to get a little better on ball defense, but he's great defensively especially around the rim with that size and he's able to finish around the rim and then you look at Luca who had a very dynamic um rookie year last year of course uh locking up the rookie of the year and he looks like a polished vet and it was his first year now of course that's probably because all the experience he had coming from the Euros but the reason why I have them 10 is because Christoph of course Luka is going to his second year, and Kristaps Porzingis is injured, but we haven't seen enough. We have, One, we haven't seen them both together, period. But we haven't seen enough of at least Porzingis or Luka to, for me to, to, to bump them up anywhere else on this list. Now, now when it's all said and done, if, if they continue to grow, which I think they will, they could be in the top maybe four or five at the end of their career. But... Right now, it's hard for me to put them above 10 because we haven't seen enough. Again, they can rise, but we don't know. Uh, number nine, I wanted to say Kimball Walker and Jason Tatum. The reason why I put them above Luka and Porzingis is because we've seen Kimball Walker just dominate in the regular season. And it's not really his fault that the Hornets never made it to the playoffs because he's never really played alongside a good player. Like, the best player he's probably played alongside is maybe Marvin Williams, uh, Jeremy Lamb, Nicholas Batoon. Like, that's not getting... Nicholas Batoon, old Nicholas Batoon at that. That's not getting getting the job done. So, we haven't really seen Kimball Walker play alongside solid players. But we know that Kimball Walker is a bucket. Kimball Walker is a poor man's Kyrie Irving. And when I say poor man, I'm not saying like you're you're on the street and like homeless. Like Kyrie Irving might cost five dollars. Kimball Walker probably cost three fifty. So they both are under undersized scores, but they both will sauce you up. They both can drop fifty on you. Kimball's Kimball's solid, and Jason Tatum, while he had a he had a down season last year we do also understand all the stuff that went in with Kyrie and Boston and and, and Gordon Hayward and it was just a toxic uh, environment but I do remember Jason Tatum leading the Boston Celtics just a year prior to the Eastern in fact game uh, a game away from the NBA finals against LeBron Jason Tatum was one of the best players in the whole in the entire playoffs that year and he was clearly the leader for Boston until, of course, last year when Kyrie and Gordon Hayward came back. So I think with Kyrie gone, uh, and I and hopefully Gordon Hayward taking a step back, letting them 
I, I think Jordan, Gordon Hayward would be better, but I think you need to take a step back and let the young, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, let them cook a little bit. They won't be as good, especially with Kyrie and Al Horford, but I think this is Jason Tatum's year to to get better than he was last year. So, at to me, them at their highest peak, they deserve to be in this top 10, but... As, as I just praised and, and I just said that it really wasn't Kimball Walker's fault, I have to dock him some points because he hasn't been in the playoffs. Uh, or he hasn't been in the playoffs in a while. I don't remember the last time he's been in the playoffs. Um, he's been there, but he hasn't been there in a while. And even when he was there, I think it was like Sweep City. So while he hasn't really played solid, he hasn't really played with solid people, when we talk about this list, you have to include that. So... That's number nine. Number eight, Jamal Murray and Jokic from Denver. Yes, they lost last year in the playoffs to Portland. But, and Jamal Murray had a lot of spotty games, but he was young. And that's the thing about these two is they're still young. And when we talk about Jokic, Jokic is probably one of arguably the best center in the league. Of course, you have Joel Embiid, but they're arguably one of the best centers in the league. Or Jokic is one of the best centers in the league. I think he's he's arguably, ain't no arguably, he is the best passing center in the league, and he's one of the best passing centers to ever play, and he's still young. Jamal Murray is a, he is a young, maybe better handle having Devin Booker, who can go off. I need their game to mature a little bit, but once they do, hell, a lot of people have Denver at least make it to the finals this year. That's how good they those two are. Now, of course, you have Gary Harris and you have other players on the team, but the, I know they wouldn't be championship. They wouldn't have championship aspirations if it wasn't for Jokic and Jamal Murray, and that's why I have them eighth. Seventh, I have Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton from the Bucks. The reason why I have them seventh is more because of Chris Middleton than Giannis. Of course, we all know that Giannis is a top five player in the league. He just won the MVP. Um, yeah, his shot isn't there, but <laughs> he, he he's not scared to shoot. Um, and, you know, Giannis is Giannis. Giannis... He just came out and said he was playing as he's he's playing at sixty percent. So he, I think he's going to improve, especially once his shot improves. But it's Chris Middleton is the reason why I have them at seventh. I have them at seventh because Chris Middleton to me is the worst player on this list. Uh, individual player. When you look at everybody from six to one and from seven to ten, I'm taking. A healthy Luca over Chris Middleton. I'm taking a healthy Porzingis over Chris Middleton. I'm definitely taking Kimba, uh, Jason Tatum, Jamal Murray, and Jokic over Chris Middleton. And I'm not saying he's trash. I mean, he's an all-star. But when we're talking about individual players, I'm taking every single person on this list individually before I take Chris Middleton. Yes, Giannis is great, and his greatness propelled him from 10 to 7, but Chris Middleton is, I'm just keeping the stack. Chris Middleton to me is the worst player on this list. And that's why I have him at six, uh, seventh. Sixth, 
I have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. The reason why I have them as six is because five through one is uh oh man, it's it's a crapshoot, man. Damian Lillard to me is top three point guards in the league. CJ McCollum is top three heat check guys. And when I say heat check, I mean you look up and that man has 40 on your head and he's still going. Uh offensively they are one of the top five offensively they're one of the top five tandems in the league but one knock is both of them don't play defense so not not one and it you also have to take into consideration that every year while they have improved in the playoffs they've been swept every year in a different round yeah they continue to grow but they continue to get swept as well and their defense, those two defense, while their offense plays a big part in them continuing to advance, their defense plays a huge part in why they keep getting bounced. So at their at their best, like I said, Damian Lillard is a top three point guard and CJ McCollum's top three heat check and maybe even top five shooting guard in the league. But, you know, five through <laughs> five through one is 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 a killer. So before I get to five, one 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 duo that I didn't add in this list that I want to talk about before I continue from five to one is Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. It was tough for me not to put them. If I would have put them, it would probably be ten or nine. The only reason why is when I look at ten, Luca and Porzingis. I see potential, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And while Ben Simmons, to me, is one of the top 10 point guards in the league right now, he can't shoot. And I look, I, I understand, you know, Magic Johnson couldn't shoot, but Magic Johnson improved year after year. Ben Simmons stayed the same. If it was just Joel Embiid, he would definitely be on this list. Like, it is what it is. But Ben Simmons, to me, is holding this that duo back due to the fact that he is not improved. Is he if he's went from 18% shooting to 25, then yes, he would be on this list. They would be high on this list. But because I feel the upside for the duo of Luca and Porzingis is higher than Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid just because I don't see Ben Simmons shot improving. I mean, next year Ben Simmons will be going into his I think fourth year fourth or fifth year in the league now of course one year he didn't even play so he had all that time to learn how to shoot and he still can't shoot in fact he doesn't he it's not that he can't shoot he doesn't he doesn't even attempt and that is why I don't put him on this list now of course if you disagree I have I have no problem with somebody changing my mind by the way you can definitely hit me up in the comments but that's the reason. Now, it was definitely hard for me to put Luca over Porzingis, Luca and Porzingis over Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid because, like I just said, Joel Embiid is one of the best centers in the league, if not the best center. And Ben Simmons is a top ten point guard. It's just I don't see growth in Ben Simmons. I can I see potential growth in Luca. I definitely see potential growth in Porzingis. I don't see growth in Ben Simmons because he had an opportunity and he has not taken that opportunity. He still doesn't shoot. He can't shoot. And that's that's just how that's that's what I see. So again, that's that's why they're not on the list. So I know people are gonna be like, well, why not Ben Simmons and 
of course, you can definitely, if you disagree, hit me up, boom, 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 in the comments, and we'll talk about it. So, back to my list. Number five, and, and a lot of people are going to kill me for number five and number four, but number five is Kyrie and KD. The reason why I have them at number five is because we haven't seen how they play and play together. Individually, they're both <laughs> Hall of Famers. Again, like I said, I, I, I've been on the record saying that Kyrie, uh, KD, to me, is the best player in the league when healthy. And Kyrie probably has the best handle and the best under-the-rim finishes in NBA history. But we don't know how they play together. I thought going into last season that one of the top duos would be Kyrie and Gordon Hayward or Kyrie and Ty uh, Jason Tatum. We see how that worked out. So I think I need to see them play together before I... Because honestly... If they played it when they play together and if they fit seamlessly, they can jump to two, honestly. But I, I, I need to see because, again, they both have flaky attitudes. Um, but I don't really care about the attitude. I just care about how they play on the court. And if they if they don't mesh like I think they could or should mesh, then yeah, they're fourth because individually they're both Hall of Famers, of course. But if not, they're pretty much rightfully there. So that's why I have them fifth. I need to see them play more. I need to see them in a more. I need to see them play together because I think the last time we saw them play together was the All-Star break. But last time we saw them seriously play together was Team USA. And we can't really, we can't really go off that because of, you know, the, the competition. So I need to see them play. And the reason why I have number four, which is Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, is because I have seen them play. I've seen them play with Kevin Durant, and I've seen them play without. I mean, they're going on, what, their seventh or eighth season together? If, of course, we know. And, of course, I, I, I did preface this by saying that all these players are healthy, when healthy. But Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, hell, the Splash Brothers. They don't call just anybody the Splash Brothers. They play seamlessly together. You look up Steph Curry at 50 and Klay Thompson at 30. You look up and... You look up and Clay Thompson will have 60 on your head and take 11 dribbles. Clay, they play so well off each other, it's damn near impossible to stop them when they're both on. Now, yes, I understand that Steph Curry doesn't play the best on ball defense, but James, I mean, uh, Clay Thompson is one of the best two way players in the league. I understand that Clay Thompson doesn't have the greatest handle, but Steph Curry has one of the best handles in the league. And they both have a cannon of an arm. So that's one thing that we cannot deny about that. Hell, they're both, to me, to, to me, Steph Curry is the greatest shooter to ever step foot on the court. And honestly, Klay Thompson is the second best shooter to ever step foot in the court, in my opinion. And they, they work seamlessly, which is why I have them at number four. Now we get to the top three. I know what I just said about fit, and I know what I just said about playing alongside each other. And we've seen these two play alongside each other. And at number three, I have James Harden and Russell Westbrook. On paper, on paper, one, they played with each other. However, they both are offensively gifted. 
in, in different ways. James Harden is he'll he'll give you thirty six easy off shots. Russell Westbrook will give you thirty six easy off attacking the rim, getting rebounds. They both they and they both get triple doubles in different ways. James Harden will give you fifty. 15 assists and 10 rebounds. Russell Westbrook will give you 50, 20 rebounds and 13 assists, but in the most aggressive way possible. James Harden's more smooth. Let me bing, 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 bing. Uh, assist, assist. You know, I'm going to get my shot. James Russell Westbrook is. That's what we're going to do. We're going to pound it in their throats. No homo. We're going to do what I got to do. Aggression, aggression, aggression. James Harden is more laid back game. I'm gonna dance on you with this, with this shot, uh, with this dribble, step back shot, um, and boom. Now, sort of like uh, Kyrie Irving and KD, I have to see these two play. Right, they play together, but they play together in different parts, in different levels of their career. Of course, they both were young. James Harden was willing to take a lesser role. But I don't, and I definitely don't think not only will James Harden take a lesser role with the Houston, but I don't think he should take a lesser role, especially this time around, because that's his team. Um, and over the years, yeah, Russell Westbrook has averaged a triple double three straight years, but James Harden has been better than Russell Westbrook. Let's 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 not let's not sugarcoat it. So we need to see that dynamic. Um, but on paper, you got two MVPs. Uh, you got two MVPs. Again, on paper, they are they're a dynamic duo, two witness, man. Uh, especially at the points of their career. The reason why I don't have the reason why it's kind of like a contradiction a little bit. That's the reason why I have them above Steph, Steph and Clay is because just on paper, um, they're both better than that duo on paper, but. That's the same that's sort of, well no, because I think Clay Thompson's better than Kyrie at their best. But that's that's why I have uh James Harden and Russell Westbrook at three. We just need to see how they do. So at number two, I have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Kawhi like like we said earlier like I said earlier, Paul uh, Kawhi Leonard is arguably one of the best players in the league. Just took down the Golden State Dynasty. Took down the Miami Heat Dynasty. Took down the Spurs Dynasty. Uh, he gave Toronto Raptors or helped Toronto Raptors capture their first championship. Kawhi Leonard can do no wrong, man. And now we know that Kawhi Leonard is a master of uh, recruiter. So Kawhi Leonard, and, and it's crazy because coming into the league, nobody really thought Kawhi Leonard can be like this. We thought he'll be a good, uh, maybe a solid two-way player, especially a good defender. But you look here today; nobody thought that we would be talking about Kawhi Leonard as possibly one of, the, or possibly the best player in the league. So that just really shows a testament of how how good Kawhi Leonard is and how how much he's he's improved. On the contrary, Paul George, especially after that gruesome injury, hell, Paul George was third in MVP votes last year. So that's something that you cannot deny. Uh, it. <laughs> the only reason why I don't put them in number one is because of who is number one, also because of the injury history. Not only, of course, we just talked about Paul George's leg, but Paul George is coming off of, I think both both his soldiers has uh, both soldiers, <laughs> both his so- shoulders had surgery this year. So we need to see how they do or how they hold up. But like I said. 
Last year, Paul George was clearly a top three player because he finished top three in MVP votes. And Kawhi Leonard is one of the best players in the league. Uh, so if not the best player in the league right now. So that's why I have him to number two. Number one, it's not really hard to, to guess. It's LeBron James and AD. While, yes, LeBron James dealt with the first major injury in his career last year, he still finished with crazy numbers. I think he finished scoring like 27 a game, maybe 27, 8, and 8 or something like that. Uh, and that was on a team where he pretty much had to do everything. I think that we're, LeBron James is going to remind us just how great he is, especially this year. Uh, he'll be completely healthy. And to me, he'll be playing with the greatest player he's ever played with, in Anthony Davis, who, when healthy, is a top five player in the league. And he's been healthy the last few years. It's just, of course, the craziness that went on last year with the Pelicans. But he's been, you know, like I said, he's a <laughs> he's a walking 50, 60-point-a-game score, 28, 29 rebounds. I'm not saying average, but he can do that in any given day. Not to mention he's one of the best defenders in the league, especially around the rim. Their pick and roll will be lethal, man. Now, I don't know if they're a championship team with the pieces they have around them, but those two, especially completely healthy, you have two of the top five players in the league. That's one thing that everyone else does not have, and that's why I couldn't put them, I couldn't put Kawhi and PG. While I think PG is a top maybe 10 player, uh, top maybe 10 player in the league right now, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, to me, is top five. And... Of course, you can debate uh, top five with Anthony Davis, especially with some other names. But when I look at the list, uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, while you can debate James Harden top five, you can't debate Russell Westbrook. Steph Curry same, uh, and Klay Thompson, you can debate Steph Curry top five, Klay Thompson, no. Kyrie Irving, KD, while KD, when healthy, to me, is the best player in the league, Kyrie Irving is not top five. Damon CJ, no. Giannis, Yes, probably maybe top five. Middleton, definitely not. Murray Jokic, no. Kimba Tatum, no. Luka Porzingis, no. So that's the only that's the only reason why. And they really much they pretty much had to be number one. LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It doesn't matter who they play with next year. They're the top duo, and and they will be the top duo at least next year. So that's my list. Again, that's LeBron James number one. Kawhi Leonard, Pete, oh, whoa, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Number one, number two is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Number three is James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Number four is Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Number five, Kyrie Irving and KD. Dame is C, Dame and CJ is number six. Giannis and Chris Milton is number seven. Number eight is Jamal Murray and Jokic. Number nine is Kimball Walker and Jason Tatum. And number ten is Luca and Porzingis. An honorable mention, I have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, but we just talked about why they're honorable mention. Again, man, if you if you disagree, leave in the comments. We'll definitely talk about it. I like to engage, so we'll talk about it. Um, two things I want to talk about before I go. And it, uh, damn, unfortunately, I'm gonna have to finish on a somber note. But since I'm on basketball, I'll stick to basketball before I do the last thing. Um, it was an article that came out on ESPN and they were talking about how injuries especially with the youth or younger players are at all-time high and they they attribute that to the mileage that they have in their body before even coming to the NBA 
you have AAU circuits, and we all know AAU, you can be playing 15, 16 games a month, um, traveling all the time. Some, most people travel on buses. Uh, you're playing maybe two or three games a day. Uh, it's, it's tough. And, I, and, and then, of course, you have high school. You have personal trainers. You, you're pretty much hooping every day. Putting your body through grueling, grueling matches every day. And then you get to college. And some people don't go to college. Or you get to college or overseas. College, you're pretty much playing some of the best players in the, in the world. Uh, as in at, at amateur level. Uh, you're, you're playing college. And we all know I played college basketball. So I know the grind that it puts. Like this was my this was my college basketball schedule, and, and and think about this. This was my college basketball schedule, and I didn't play an NCAA D one. I played an NAIA D one. I had to be in the gym by five a.m. every day. Uh, we start we started practice at five, so I technically had to be in the gym by four forty-five. Five o'clock, and this is in the morning. Five o'clock, we start practice. We start we we do weights. We do waste for about an hour until six. Then we go and do like practice, as in practice plays, scrimmage, do what we got to do. We do that until about eight o'clock. Then if you had an eight o'clock class, you went to that class. If you didn't, you stayed until about 930 uh, doing, you know, shooting drills, doing just individual handles, doing drills. Then you'd go back to the gym at 1130. Or eleven o'clock, around eleven, uh, probably eleven o'clock, for individuals. Now, those are individual shots. Probably put up a hundred, two hundred uh, in that hour. Or if you wanted to get more weights, and you had to do individuals at that point. Then I usually went to. Cl- I did that from eleven to probably one. Then I went to class. Then we came back for at four thirty for another practice. That that's another practice. That's until about. 6 30 7 o'clock then you'd go we'd watch film or we'd go to study hall uh our day didn't finish until say 9 10 o'clock just to do it over again the next day and that and that doesn't include now in the, the end season was different we didn't do all that practicing stuff but we did travel a lot and we didn't have planes or chart we had buses so imagine Waking, leaving the school at six o'clock in the morning to get to, I don't know, Alabama by five o'clock or five that afternoon to have a game the next day at three. So in the, it's just the article didn't didn't shock me because they they had studies. They they looked at Julius Randle. They looked at Ben Simmons. They looked at a lot of players that came into the league and instantly got hurt or came into the league already hurt. And what they're pretty much saying is that their body has miles and miles and miles and miles of basketball before they even step into the league where they have to be at their top, top shape. Because if not, you're going to get forgotten. Or if not, you're going to get left. Or the G League for you. Or you, you might not even make it in the G League. And they're... A lot of players, which which I t- completely understand, because I was injured sometimes, or I was hurt sometimes, didn't 
and didn't address it. But a lot of players play hurt because their body is so tired and so fatigued that it's they're they're easily susceptible to injury, or they're easily they're e- they they'll get injured more like they have a higher risk of being injured because their body's so tired and they're they're playing through you know pains over a person that doesn't have that much miles on their body. So it's it's scary and I think it's known. I think we know cuz nobody should have to play 5 games in a weekend for AU and then turn around and do that for 8 straight weeks. And and think about the top think about the top players. The top players go to camps. They go to uh invitationals. They go to uh different scrimmages. They they go to Team USA. They go, of course, they have college. If they don't play high school, they, they're the stars of the AAU team. They play, some of them play in the Drew League. They're playing basketball year round. And yes, I love basketball to death. Hell, I play basketball today. But the thing is, I don't play at such, at, at, at such a high level as they do. Not to mention, I don't play for money. Unless I play in like a, a rec league or something. They're, they're, they're trying to go to the NBA. And their bodies is going through grueling, grueling, grueling fights. So the time that they get to the NBA, they they easily get hurt. I mean, look at Julius Randle. Julius Randle was at the top of his game. Boom. Leg injury. I think it was the first season. Leg injury. Out. And I think they said he was playing from a, playing through a stress fracture that he sustained in the summer. That was just never reported. Again, this, that, the article, and if, if you want to check out the article, uh, I'll put the link in the description below on YouTube. Um, it's a good, it's on ESPN. It's, it's a really good article, but it didn't surprise me, and I don't think it'll change. In fact, the article was pretty much saying it's going to get worse, because AU, there's going to be more tournaments. There's going to be more invitationals. There's going to be more AU games. Players are, are going to start, players, as we know, that they're pretty much going to, one and done is going to be over with. So you can come straight out of high school or you in the, in the next coming years, you'll be able to come straight out of high school to the NBA. That's another level. While you don't play that level, I mean, that's, that's less games, of course, in college. You're not playing the competition of NBA. You think that there's somebody that goes to, I don't, let me say this. You think that there's an Oak Hill player right now, right now, that is on the same level as Kawhi Leonard, that's on the same level as Steph Curry, that's on the same level as Anthony Davis, that's on the same level as KD, no. And I think because of that, they're going to push themselves even harder, which they, no, they shouldn't. They're going to push themselves even harder, and then they're they're, going to get injured. I don't wish that upon, no, I never wish an injury upon anybody, anyone. I don't care if it's rec league, I don't care if it's just pickup outside, I don't wish injury upon anybody. But the article was saying it's a ticking time bomb. You're putting, you're putting your body through so much stress. You're putting your body through so much anguish that once you get to the league and you have to play at a level that you've never even played at, and you're, you're going to have to push your body to heights that you've never done, you're pretty much opening the door. And I think as scary and as sad as it is, I don't see it changing. So that that's that's just how it is. That's that's how it is. I think if, hey, we already know the best the best high school talent plays AAU. 
these days. So I don't think there has to be that many games. Yeah, you want to show out and, and be the best you can be. I get that. But you don't have to play 30 games in a, in a, in, in a two-month span. You don't have to play seven games in two weeks. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can, you can, you can, you can reduce it. And you'll still be as good because even when you're not playing, you can still train, still have practice, still do what you got to do. But we all know, and all athletes, all hoopers know, and not just hoopers, all athletes know, there's a difference between practice and a game. Yeah, you can bring the same intensity, but it's not going to be the, the, the practice and game is two different things. And we know that. Physicality is different. Uh, mental, mental focus has to be different. That's how it is. So... It was a good again. I'll leave the article in the description below, but go check it out. It's a really good, especially if you're a hooper and especially if you're a young hooper. Go check it out, man, and and, and really be careful with your body because you don't want to work. You, you don't want to work your entire life to get to the NBA just to have a career ending injury early. You know what I'm saying? You don't want a career injury, career ending injury ever, but you definitely don't want early. You know what I'm saying? So. Definitely be careful. Definitely be careful. And, and, and go check out the article because it was, it was really good. Um, last thing I'm going to say before I go um, is I didn't talk about this uh, when it happened because I didn't really know much about it. Um, I knew about it, but I didn't really know much and want to talk about it because it's, you know, it's tough. But... Tyler Sag, uh, Skaggs, I probably said his name wrong. I am so, so sorry if I did. Please do not charge it to my heart. Tyler Sags um, was a pitcher, I believe, for the Angels. And he was found dead. Found dead in his, his um, I think, hotel room. He was 27. Uh, the, the cause of death has not been determined yet. And... The Angels had a had a game or had a night. You know, it's been tough for them, especially Mike Trout. He's been he's been going through it, man. Every interview, he's probably breaking down. But I get it. I mean, especially playing on a team. I mean, I, it's tough. I lost I lost a teammate um, back in the day. Uh, I lost a teammate, and while we weren't the closest, we were still a brother. We were still brothers. You know, that's what team team sports do. So when I heard that he passed, it. It shook, it rocked me to the core, man. I'm like, dang, bro, I just talked to this man like two weeks ago, you know? So I understand how a teammate feels. Uh, and Mike Trout's been going through it, man. And again, I wanted to, I just wanted to acknowledge it because I didn't acknowledge it when it happened. It happened, I think, like July, or yeah, July 1st or something. But I, I didn't want to acknowledge it, but, you know, I want to acknowledge it now. And the Angels had a, honor, honored him. Uh, had a night where the, everyone wore 45, which was his number. His parents came out, uh, and they threw a new hit, no hitter that game. So it was it was just fitting how how it ended. Um, storybook ending to say the least, but not like script or anything. Like it was just you know it was a tough moment. A lot of people crying. It, it, it was tough, and I get it. Um, so I want to say rest in peace to Tyler Skaggs. I'm not gonna lie and sit here and say. That I knew him, because I definitely didn't. But again, I, nobody should. I don't want to see anybody pass away, especially at 27, as two years older than me. So 
RIP to Tyler uh, Skaggs. I, I want to send condolences out to your family. Um, send condolences out to the angels. Send condolences out to anybody that he touched uh, in, a, in a positive way. And I want to do a moment of silence for him right now. So there you have it, man. Um, that has been the Unpopular Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in, whether it's YouTube or any streaming service. I appreciate it. If it is, no, actually, wherever you wherever you um, listen to this or watch this, please subscribe with us anywhere. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. It would mean the world to me if you subscribe. It would mean the world to me if you write a review, too. Just, just let me know how I'm doing, you know? Uh, I appreciate all the support that you guys would give me. I appreciate I love doing this. This is fun. People don't really see the work that goes in, you know, on the behind the camera, but it's a lot of work. And I'm not saying that to say, you know, like on a pity party. I'm saying that I love doing it. So again, I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. And until next time. Oh no, 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 no. You know what I'm gonna do? If you're still watching it. That means you're a real one, first of all. And I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna be a little trans uh transparent. When I played when I was in college, uh when I was playing college basketball, I was like two ten. Um I was skinny as hell. <laughs> uh and I was I was working out every day, I was doing what I had to do, I was two ten. Right now, and it's tough for me to say. But right now, I am 306 pounds. That is very unacceptable to me. Um, and because of that, I'm starting a journey. I am cutting out a lot of foods that I eat uh, and going to the gym a lot more. I usually go to the gym now, but I only go to the gym to hoop. I don't do anything else. Like I just hoop and dip. So now I got a gym membership. I am you know, working out a lot more, working out on a regular basis. I'm still hooping, but incorporating more running, incorporating more weights, trying to get healthy. So I'm saying this to say for people that are still here, I thank you for still being here, but this is me telling y'all so you guys can hold me accountable. I am trying to get back to my basketball playing weight or see where I can get to, uh, again, which is 210, around 205, 210. Um, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm going to get there. Whether whether I'm going to get as healthy as I can. I want everyone to be healthy, and I can't preach loving yourself and doing this in the third, and I'm not doing the same. So this is my, I guess, uh, uh, this is my commitment to you guys saying that I will lose weight. I'm doing all the all the steps, or I'm going to start all the steps, doing what I got to do, got a gym membership, cutting off the foods, and um, I'm doing what I got to do. So I'm letting you guys know now, I promise you I'm going to lose this weight. But again, this is the Unpopular Podcast. I thank you guys for listening. And until next time, much love. Corner, Ray Allen, I'm on it. 
Floater off the back with LeBron in the moment. Griffey at the plate, I ball with the fam. I'm Vince Carter in Toronto, I'm good for a slam. AI with the practice, I'm born with the gift. Michael Jordan with the tears when he got to a chip. Tommy Smith and John Carlos, I'm raising a fist. Gold chain, gold rings, no metal for this. Life's an uphill battle, no pedal for this. Close curtain when a circle, I'll settle for this. Throw me a parade, throw me a parade. Roses at my feet, champagne I can taste. I am just a winner that my parents made. Flojo with the mojo, you can't clock the pace. Floyd with the belts, too much for the waist. I'm Ali, I fight for freedom till I beat the case. Every time. When I'm on a mission The finish line my witness when I go to distance Strive, break a record before I break my neck Pride, means nothing till you get respect Time, is a buzzer beating shot When the ball's in my court and I look up at the clock Swish, golden net, Steph Curry like Serena with the racket, how I'm serving life Trophies on the way, trophies on the way Endurance for my soul, cardio the faith If I compete with me, there's no second place If I compete with me, there's no loss to take every time. Oh 